from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt. Over there is Ryan, and we are coming at you with episode 573 of the show. Lots to get to on this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We're taking a look at an under-the-radar offense in fantasy this season that could could help dynasty players out there. We got we're going to put a put a cap on our blended rankings and tiers of first and second year players at a specific position. We'll hit quarterbacks and tight ends this week uh, to put a bow on that. And then we're going to do a mock draft since we haven't done one in a while. Uh, we're going to do a blake breakout player mock draft. It's going to be fun, Ryan. I know you're jacked to to draft every single day. Yeah, mock drafts are always good. It has been a uh, it's been a while since we've done one. It's drafting season, so we've we've fallen behind a little bit. We'll catch up today. Yeah, let's do that, and let's do that with my, Matt Price. How you doing, bud? Doing well, man. Uh, we we're we're struggling for news at this point in the off season, uh, but uh, we got from a dynasty slant, we still have plenty of stuff to talk to, right? Talk about, and, right? And with that, let's uh, hit this button. The Startup. The Startup this week is a little different because, as Matt said, not a lot of news, a lot of speculation out there, but we don't really do that all that much. We've been looking for a reason to talk about this Washington Commanders offense, and I'm wondering, maybe, Ryan, is, is this Commanders offense a dynasty sleeper? I'm starting to think it might be. I was looking over our latest ADP, um, preparing for the show and and just checking on some of the players whose value has been changing. And I just kept noticing multiple Washington commanders players that seemed to me to be undervalued. Uh, I know we talked about Terry McLaurin and, uh, and Jahan Dotson a little bit last week. McLaurin's at wide receiver 25 Dotson at wide receiver 30. I think both of those guys represent nice values. I know we were kind of in lockstep on Dotson after those two guys, there's a there's a lot of question marks on this team, but with the with Eric Bieniemy coming over from the Chiefs, I think there's reason to be excited. And uh, you know, if you're breaking ties in the late rounds, whether you're doing a, a dynasty startup draft or maybe you're doing one of those best ball drafts on underdog, I, I think we should start breaking ties in the Commanders' favor. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of factors that really come into play when it when you're considering these commanders. The first one is B enemy because he's been overlooked for head coaching jobs and had to go take an OC position in a different offense or, or in a different city uh, in order to prove himself. He's he's getting rave reviews out there in Washington D.C. and you know I know it's early in the off season. There's a lot of hype out there with every single team, but he kind of checks all the boxes as far as uh, coaches go. And, you know, he has the pedigree and he's done it um, with, with really good players. And, and he's, he's brought players along that, that, that were a little bit unknown before, before he got his hands on them. And, and I know a lot of people can say, well, oh, wait and point to Andy Reed. Geez, it really feels like he might be the missing piece that could push these guys over the top. The other factor it's the quarterback. They didn't really invest in the position this offseason. And you gotta you got Matt, you gotta kinda believe in Sam Howell to do what Ryan has just mentioned and invest in that offense, even if it is in the mid to late rounds of a startup. I mean, yeah, absolutely. This is a guy, Eric and Eric Bannemy, that 
I mean, I, I personally feel like he should have got an opportunity for a head coach, coach a while ago. People are early in the offseason. The conversation was why make this lateral move, but it's not really a lateral move. This is a chance to actually put a stamp on the offense, uh, do it without, uh, the, you know, the guidance, so to speak, of, of Andy Reid. And, you know, with a quarterback that isn't the best quarterback that we've maybe ever seen in our lifetime. Uh, right. So uh, it's going to be a, a interesting setup. We've already had some press that he's bringing like intensity to practices that, that things are just uh, different in Washington this year, uh, different ownership, uh, different offensive coordinator. We have a, a quarterback that's, 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 that's coming in that, you know, heading into his, his final season in college was, you know, he was in the consideration for the for the top selection in the draft, and that kind of fell apart, unfortunately, and they fell, I think, to the fifth round. Um, so now we're sitting here with Sam Howell and wondering what's going on, but Eric, this is Eric Bieniemy's time to shine, to develop this quarterback, to develop an offense that has some kind of undervalued weapons, as we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're, we're talking about breakout players, and maybe none of these guys, or not all of these guys, would consider would uh, qualify as breakout players, quote unquote. But there's, there are some names to kind of like in here, Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the list of Washington commanders. And especially when you consider the cost, it, it'd be easy to click the button a couple times throughout a startup at this point, or, or even in the, on the trade market. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the running game, we've seen good things from both Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson in their careers. As you kind of mentioned earlier, we've seen uh, Biennemi get some solid production from either lesser known running backs or those journeyman running backs. Of course, we're thinking of most recently Pacheco and McKinnon, who uh, both, you know, in in some ways were league winners down the stretch last season. Um, Gibson at, at running back 36, Brian Robinson at 38. You think one of those guys has a ton of upside. Uh, and of course that's Gibson. And then Robinson feels like the safer option, but it, it again, if you're doing a dynasty startup, it's going to be pretty easy to get both of those guys on your team and, and kind of see what B enemy can do with these two. Matt, do you have a favorite Washington commander to invest in considering price? I mean, it's it's tough to go away with one of the from one of the running backs. Is I think you know this again. We talk about it all the time that if we're if, if the community is not necessarily sure what to do with two players uh, on the same team, we kind of hedge, right? Like so, one of these yeah. guys is going to be much higher than the running back thirty six or the thirty eight, and in, in Robinson's case, and the other one probably is going to be in this range or, or maybe even lower. So I, I think it's Gibson for me just because he's the pass catching back. He's the one who we know has the, the, the athleticism. Uh, the enemy is, is kind of known for his screen game. I expect Robinson to, to be heavily involved in, excuse me, uh, uh, Gibson to be heavily involved in the screen game uh, that the enemy is going to institute here. So he would be like at cost. I think he's my favorite, but if, if you just ask me in a vacuum, I think it's Dotson at wide receiver 30. I still think he should be valued closer to those early twenties uh, with the rest of the second wide receivers uh, in that range, whether they're talking about Traylon Burks or, or Christian Watson, that, that kind of range. So he feels a little bit underpriced to me as well. Yeah. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Wide receiver 30, 57 overall in our most recent ADP. Dotson's the one that sticks out to me as well. Just 23 years old and showed enough in his rookie season I believe I'm with you. He should be valued with some of those other year two receivers. And uh, we're, we're doing the same thing with McLaurin and Dotson as we are with Gibson and Robinson. They're, they're piled together because we're not sure about the quarterback. We're not sure about that coaching staff and just everything happening there, but the buzz is going in a positive direction. And we just wanted to shine a little bit of a light on that commander's offense that maybe there's some, some value to be had. Even the, Way down there, guys like Curtis Samuel, wide receiver, eighty-five. He's going to man the slot in there, and if he if he gets some uh, get some love from from Sam Howell uh, in that quick passing game, he could make an impact for dynasty players. Matt, you also mentioned Logan Thomas's name, a full time tight end, way way down there in ADP. In fact, he might be a free agent in some leagues. Um, if you can get him as your tight end three, tight end four, maybe even there might be opportunities to start him this season uh it's gonna be a fun wa offense to see in washington and hopefully b enemy gets them going in the right direction because i'm with you guys he should be a head coach no doubt
Dynasty Rankings. We teased it in the open. We're going to talk a little bit about these year one and year two quarterbacks and tight ends. We'll tear them out just like we have with the other positions. And we might as well start under center with the quarterbacks. Matt, you have a love affair with Anthony Richardson. (laughs) Is he the only one in tier one for you? Yeah, he's the only one. He's the only one I see out of these last two classes that really has the the kind of ceiling to be, you know, in a one quarterback league, we struggle to find difference makers as a position. He's really the only one in a one quarterback league that I, I feel strongly has a chance to make an impact. And in a super flex format, he offers that that kind of lottery ticket from your quarterback two spot, presumably this year, uh, if, if you drafted him. Uh, he's got the rushing upside. We know all the the struggles with the passing, but he's in the right spot. Uh, he he's the only one that I think has a chance to ascend into that top group. I, I think we're in kind of in lockdown of that top group of, of quarterbacks with with those top seven or eight guys, however whichever we would like to extend it to. Um, but uh, these other guys, I don't think have a chance of getting into that range without something happening to the guys above him or just a completely outlier season um, from the rest of these guys. Yeah, I like that. He certainly belongs in tier one. I don't think any of us are going to argue that. Ryan, would you add any other names outside of Richardson? Yeah, I would include Bryce Young here. I I do still think of him as a player with a lot of upside. I I do have more questions about him, uh, mainly team-related, landing there with the Panthers and and the, the weapons or lack of weapons that uh, that they're going to have in that offense early on in his career. But I, I do still consider him a, a tier one player and, you know, kind of, kind of unrelated, I guess, in some ways, this was a, a fun exercise. We did the uh, wide receivers ranking and uh, the past two classes last week. I know a couple weeks ago, you guys did the running backs and it, it, you know, it's, it's always good to kind of take that look back except when you're talking about these quarterbacks, because I had just forgotten, (laughs) honestly, how bad that that quarterback class was last year um, with with Pickett leading the way. Uh, Gosh, it it was it was rough to rank these quarterbacks. And and it's a little scary when you think about players like uh, Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers kind of aging out nearing the end of their career, at least their career in that quarterback one range. And uh, we we need some of these young guys to step up and and earn that spot. Yeah, no doubt. And Pickett really is the only one worth considering if you're thinking even about Superflex rankings at this point uh, where he belongs. He certainly doesn't belong in tier one. We'll get to him here in a minute. I actually added CJ Stroud to my tier one rankings and maybe I did it a a little bit. I think there's I've said it so many times on the pod. I think Richardson carries so much risk that it's hard not to see at least enough upside in both Stroud and Young to include those two rookies in the same tier as Richardson. Maybe maybe Stroud, maybe even Young don't have premier elite dynasty upside, like can't be the, the quarterback one in a specific year or over a, a stretch of seasons like Richardson certainly could because of his legs. But I think they could they could both be top six quarterbacks. They could be guys that we want to put in our lineup as QB1s for multiple seasons. They both have that kind of upside. So I push both of them up. I, I guess uh, I, I am a little bit higher on Stroud than maybe you two are. I, I like that landing spot, actually, for him. I think he's going to grow there in Houston, and, and they might get things going in the right direction. I have the same concerns you do, though, Ryan, on Young. There's just... There's just not a lot of weapons early. He's going to have to be the weapon, and we'll see if maybe he can do that. That certainly uh, is enough for him to be in Tier 1. So, Matt, you push those two other Round 1 rookie quarterbacks into Tier 2. Is that it for you in the second tier? You're not willing to put Kenny Pickett or, or one of these other names in there with these guys? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I would... I'm okay if you want to push pick it up, but he really, to me, didn't do much to impress last season in his rookie year. Uh, and he can't, he doesn't even have like the benefit of, uh, of you saying that he doesn't have the weapons surrounding him. He's got George Pickens and Deont- uh, Deontay Johnson. Obviously he's got a great tight end and fire move. He's got a first round run- running back in uh, Najee Harris. So like, it's just, does he have the talent to put it all together? The offensive line was bad. That should be an, imp- an improvement this year. So maybe that helps him out. 
but you know, he never threw for more than one touchdown in any game last season. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, he's, he's, he's somebody that I can see moving up. I think that buying, buying him right now from a dynasty standpoint is probably a, you know, a plus EV move. Like he's, I don't think he's going to go down from here with the improvements they made along the offensive line, but he's not someone I see really kind of entering like that quarterback one conversation really ever. Whereas the other three from this year's class, I do uh, think are on that conversation. And some of them already are, uh, are already, already ranked in that, that way. So it's just a two player tier two for you, Matt, just Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, both be- probably just because they have quarterback one upside and you don't see that with any of these other names. That's probably fair. There's uh there might be a little bit difference of opinion. How about you, Ryan? You you left CJ Stroud out of tier one. I imagine he's in tier two. Anybody else with him? Yeah, I did include Pickett in in that um in that second tier along with Stroud. And, you know, I mean, I certainly have the same concerns as Matt, and, and I would not consider myself high on Pickett, you know, compared to average or compared to the market. But I do think we saw some improvement in the back half of last season. Honestly, as as the season kind of ended, again, we saw some some solid games from Pickett. Never ended up having a quarterback one game, so not even one one week where he was the top 12 quarterback. Certainly disappointing. Uh, but we did see some improvement. I was really hoping they would move on from uh, and change the uh, offensive coordinator, but yeah, they retained. <laughs> yeah, they retained Matt Canada. That was uh, that was a little frustrating. If you were hoping for a uh, a year two breakout for Kenny Pickett, so the for one now, thing about that. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say for now he's in that that second tier, but uh, certain certainly closer to the third group for me. Yeah, closer to the third group. I, I totally understand that. And I, I included all three of those rookie quarterbacks in Tier 1. So Pickett is all by himself in Tier 2 for me. Uh, we pretty much have have the same five guys, or, or excuse me, four guys in these two tiers. It's just tiered out differently. You mentioned yeah. Canada's name and how that maybe was disappointing to Dynasty players and fantasy fans in general. The one thing that may be a feather in the cap there is he is a young quarterback and maybe they wanted that consistency from year one to year two to see some growth. Uh, perhaps he can do that. I, I know we're we're all kind of shaking our head at the move. Um, hopefully Pickett having that consistency will help him out become more consistent on the field and maybe we will see some QB1 finishes this season. We definitely need it with all the weapons that he has there in Pittsburgh. Let's move on to tier three. So we've gone through Richardson and Young and Stroud and now Pickett. Uh, Pickett, of course, is pushed to tier three for you, Matt. Who who belongs in that tier with Kenny Pickett? It's uh, it's really just Brock Purdy, and I and I feel like the second. I mean, I guess we kind of already know all the reports are that Purdy is the starter, right? But I, I kind of just want to see it week one. I want to I want to confirm. I want the conf- confirmation that that's the case. And once that happens, I mean, I I would if I'm going to push one of these guys up into tier two. Uh, between Purdy and Pickett, it would be Purdy, to be honest with you. He has the performances, uh, you know, multiple. I, I don't think he threw less as a starter threw less than two touchdowns in a game when Pickett never threw more than one. Uh, obviously, it's a much better system with Kyle Shanahan and and all the things that come come along with it. All those weapons in that offense. Uh, the question with him is that is that uh, that elbow injury, right? That arm, that arm injury, and if he's going to come back fully for that by week one and, and really claim that starter. Uh, starting role over Trey Lance and I guess Sam Dartle seems like it is, but I want confirmation in that case. Like the only real difference between the only thing keeping Pickett above Purdy for me right now is really just the draft capital, like first round draft capital versus, you know, Mr. Irrelevant. Right. So uh, that's always a concern with these later, later round draft picks they are always going to be looking over their shoulder. But if Purdy starts week week one and continues to be their starter, I I see no reason to keep him behind uh, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I like all the points you made right there, certainly. Um, Purdy is, it's easy to overlook him still because of the Mr. Irrelevant thing and the seventh round draft pick. But all those factors that you mentioned, the weapons there in San Francisco, the coaching staff particularly, and then the the surge of production that we had last season late in the year should be enough to push him up. I, I have the same concerns though. And honestly, 
honestly, it's Trey Lance that keeps me from pushing him up there with, with Pickett. It Lance is a, is a different kind of talent. And if that all clicks, if that all comes together for Trey Lance, he's going to be the guy under center in San Francisco. I really firmly believe that. And, and maybe that's still part of the Mr. Irrelevant that pushes, pushes me to thinking that. Uh, Purdy sits in a tier all by himself because of all those reasons for me. Um, the production that we've seen last year was more than enough to put him in a tier above all the other names we're about to talk about, however. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, totally agree with uh, with what you guys have said. Purdy's production was so, uh, so impressive. Uh, six games to end the season, three quarterback one games, three other games mm-hmm. as a quarterback two, but he gave you at least 16 fantasy points in all six of those games. Um, So yeah, I mean, the, the questions are the questions that are still out there. The ones that you all have already mentioned, the injury and Trey Lance and uh, really every day that goes by and that we get closer to training camp, I I'm less worried about each of those when it comes to Brock birdie. And I I think Mm. we're probably undervaluing him. Uh, really to a great degree. And I mean, you can talk about limited weapons or lack of arm strength or Mr. Irrelevant, but I mean, even Jimmy Garoppolo before he was injured had four games as a quarterback one. So maybe it is just a system situation, you know, a system situation, but I don't care. He's cheap and, uh, and they're going to continue to be good. They've got some of the best playmakers in the league and uh, whoever is the quarterback of that team. I I want that guy. And I think it's probably going to be Purdy. Yeah, that system sure pumps out fantasy points for quarterbacks. That's for sure. That leaves us in tier four. And we can just mention the names. We all were in agreement here. Sam Howell, Will Levis, and Desmond Ritter make up this tier. If there's a guy for you, Matt, that you want out of this tier, who's the guy? Uh, I think it's Howell, honestly. Um, I don't think Ritter is necessarily the answer. I don't, I guess I don't think any of these guys guys that are in this tier are necessarily the answer, but I think Howell is going to, um, get a shot. I think he has, has the weapons. He's got the coaching staff around him. Ritter, I I guess you could put really right up there with him. Obviously he he has great weapons as well. It's just, it seems like the Washington coaching staff might be more willing to throw the ball, uh, with with some amount of volume, and we haven't seen yet that yet from this offense under Arthur Smith outside of the, the one year he had with Matt Ryan. Um, so if it's similar to the offense they ran last year with Marcus Mariota, then then I think Ritter is going to struggle uh, to produce fantasy points similar to how they did last year from a passing standpoint. So how will be the guy that I would want out of this group, at least as of right now? Ryan, you 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 bleeding blue on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, probably, um, I, I don't know. I mean, how, how is close for me? How, how and Levis are close for me. I think uh, Ritter is a distant third. And honestly, I almost uh, created a, an, another tier to, I did too, to include Ritter <laughs> because uh, I, I just lack confidence in him in that offense, which I hate to say with, with London and, and Pitts there, but that's kind of the reality. Um, you know, how we know London he's going to start. Pitts and isn't there, isn't there some other young talented guy in the uh, backfield? Or I don't know. Is there, is there, I forget. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe he'll get the ball. Hopefully. Um, yeah. I mean, Hal, Hal and Levis both undervalued both uh, cheap options right now. Obviously we, we expect Hal to start from week one and Levis, you know, we may have to wait as much as, as a year. So again, if I'm breaking ties, I'm probably going with Sam Howell right now. Yeah. It's Levis for me, for sure. I, I, I know we, we spoke glowingly about Howell and what he might do for that offense, but there's a chance Sam Howell could be a good NFL quarterback and not that great for, as a fantasy uh, quarterback for all of us. He, he's got the weapons there. And if he can be a distributor, he could be a QB too. And, and that's great. That that's fun in the Superflex League, especially for what we've paid. But Will Levis has quarterback one type fantasy upside. If with a big asterisk, if everything comes together and he delivers the ball with timing and anticipation, which we've seen at times from him in college, he's got that rocket arm. He's got the he's got the tools to be an impact player for dynasty players. Uh, I actually considered putting Levis in tier four all by himself and then listing Howell and Ritter. 
uh, after that. But at this point, they belong in a tier together. Let's move on to the tight ends quickly, guys. Uh, and let's start at the top, as we always do. Tier one for your tight ends, Ryan. What names belong there? Year one and year two tight ends. I've I've got Dalton Kincaid only in my tier one. And this one mm-hmm. was, uh, this is one I went back and forth on quite a bit because there are uh, several other guys that I, I like a lot. Um, but yeah, I really feel like Kincaid is a, uh, is a step above the rest of those guys when it comes to upside and um, looking at, at the names we're going to talk about. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no secrets or surprises here. When you think about Dulcich or Oconquo or even a guy like Trey McBride, we saw, we saw glimpses. We saw hints last year, but I don't think uh, we saw enough from any of those guys to be confident that they're uh a high level scorer moving forward. Um, so I think when we're talking about these year one and two year one and two tight ends, uh, it, it's really all about upside. Yeah, it is all about upside. And I added more names, Matt. I'd like to know if you did, uh, is it Kincaid? Is it somebody else? How many guys you got in there? I got one and it's not Kincaid Kincaid. I, I, I like, I like the idea of Kincaid, but the tight end six and dynasty already before stepping on the field. We didn't get athletic measurables with him. We didn't uh, uh, really get any sense of the player outside of this one season that he had as really the focal point of the offense, right? We have this presumed back issue. I just, I don't, I just, I've been fading him at, at cost and that's probably going to be to my detriment. I just don't view him as a, as really that mid to late first round rookie pick as he's been going. And I certainly don't value him as a tight end six overall in dynasty. Um, the only name I put here was Chigozium Okonkwo. Uh, he, uh, he, I mean, he did everything we would want him to do in limited opportunities last season. Austin Hooper is now gone. He's with the Raiders. He's, he meets my qualifier of being a top two target on his team behind only Burks in the pecking order. Uh, he led all tight ends with a 2.61 yards per route one, run last season. He ranked second among tight ends and wide receivers, averaging eight, 8.1 yards after the catch per reception. So he just feels like a breakout waiting to happen to me. He's already done it in the NFL, which is something we ha- we can't say about too many of these other guys on this list. So he's in a tier tier one all by himself uh, from the this, from this class and last year's class. Yeah, you guys are both right. Chig is in there. Dalton Kincaid is in there, and I threw Greg Dulcich in there as well for the production we saw a year ago. You know, he kind of he flew under the radar a little bit. I, I missed on Greg Dulcich, and everything I saw from him as a rookie made me think that there's more to come. And that's the case with Chig Oconquo as well, man. I, I think the sky's the limit for him. I, I'm surprised, Ryan, actually, that you didn't put him in there because he has all that athleticism and that field-stretching ability to go along with that ability to play above the rim and, and be that red zone target. I think he has double-digit type upside as a touchdown creator at this level. And if, if that comes uh, to go along with that that field-stretching ability that we've seen on really so many occasions, there were times where he was missed in the passing game a couple times, or or for some reason he wasn't the tight end that was on the field running the route. And it just made me think that that this guy has has maybe premium, premier upside, uh, especially in tight end premium leagues. I love Chig. I think he definitely belongs. I love what you said about Dalton Kincaid there, Ryan, as well. And then I added Dulcich because of the production that we saw in his rookie season and the fact that it really does feel like he is entrenched in that offense, albeit uh, maybe behind some of those receivers in in the pecking order for uh, for targets. So I added all three. I imagine those guys that I added uh, made it onto each of your list for tier two, Ryan. How does how does tier two play out for you? Yeah, you guys are talking me into uh, Chig and and Dulcich in that tier one, but uh, for now, I've got both of those guys in tier two, along with a couple rookies, Sam Laporta, uh, Michael Mayer. Like uh, you know, like both of those guys, obviously, and like their opportunity to play early in their respective offenses. And then Trey McBride is in this group as well for me. Uh, of course, he was the tight end one this time last year among those rookies. He was the guy that was the uh, the highest ranked of the the incoming 
uh, rookie tight ends in in what we thought was a weak tight end class, and and it's you know proving to be a pretty uh, a pretty solid, if not very strong, tight end group uh, from last season. So those are yeah. the five I have: Dulcich, Chig, Laporta, Mayer, and Trey McBride. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with uh, with the names you added there. I got the same three. It's Mayer, Laporta, and McBride. McBride's an interesting one because he didn't see the field as much in his rookie year. And we right. didn't see that that upside really splash. We didn't outside of I think one play uh, after the Ertz injury, uh, where McBride got loose in the secondary and made a big play after the catch. I don't know that we saw a whole lot. And he was he was a really a backup player for most of the season until Ertz went down. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, Matt. Do you do you include Trade McBride in tier two or are you sticking to the other names we've talked about. Yeah, it's the, it's the other names. I I'm, I'm willing to push him up there. I just, we didn't see nearly as much from McBride as we did uh, Dolce and, and Oconquo. Right. And, and then the, yeah. the upside of Kincaid and, and, and Laporta and, and Dolce to, to some regard, I think, are just, just a little bit of a tier above. I do like McBride a lot, but it doesn't seem like, I mean, it doesn't seem like Ertz is going anywhere. So is the situation going to be that you think so? I mean, we haven't. I haven't, I, I, I maybe I've missed it, but I haven't seen any news that would say would say that uh, yet. I mean, you would think they would based on what Arizona presumably is going to do this season. Like, why would they keep that that kind of dead weight on the roster? Um, but I mean, I, I like the talent. I like him a lot. He did. He was very productive in college. I just I, we haven't seen it yet. I feel like he did have opportunity last year. He just didn't do enough to really force his way onto the field like you would think a player with his kind of capital would do. So that gives me a little bit of hesitation, but I like the player. I like the production that he showed in college and what little we saw of him last year. So I'm fine with him in tier two. I just feel a little bit less confident in him than I do the three that I have there in Dolce's Kincaid on the Porta. Yeah, my ranking was based on the assumption that, that Zach Ertz will be gone. I, I still do think uh, they they cut him and move on. Um, obviously, if, if they keep Ertz around for another year, that, that tells us a lot about uh, what they think about McBride. And, and that would, you know, that would change my view of him, honestly. Um, I, you know, I do think we saw some upside from him. I mean, he had, he had uh, that one big game that Dan was talking about when Ertz, uh, I believe Ertz was out of the lineup. Of course, that's, that's limited even uh, in comparison to Oconquo or Dulcich. Um, but with the, the changes that they, that Arizona has made, Again, Matt, you always talk about the top two target. He's got a yeah. chance to be a top two target, uh, even though it's going to be a uh, a pretty sorry offense, we think. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, I, you'd have to push Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore underneath him. But, I, I mean, I don't think that's out of the question by by any any means. So uh, you might be right. I'm probably too low. I was I was assuming the same thing that even if they don't move on from Ertz from the roster that perhaps they could move on from him as their their starter or their primary pass catching tight end. Um, Ertz, Ertz might mix in early and then kind of fade away late in the season, whether that be due to age or or just because McBride uh, overtakes him. I expect him to. In tier three, we have some question marks for sure because. Uh, Matt, you didn't mention Michael Mayer's name yet, and we're all the way down here in tier three. I hope he fell into this tier. Yeah, he's here. Uh, I, I don't know. Michael I just, Mayer. I don't hate him. He's like <laughs> such a good prospect, but I hate the landing spot. I hate that. Maybe it's, maybe it's Hoyer or O'Connell throwing him the ball. If, if Jimmy Garoppolo can't, can't stay healthy, he, he hasn't done it before. He hasn't really been that healthy this off season. So I just, I'm, I'm worried about that. He's also got, you know, the, the wet blanket Austin Hooper there who kept Chig off the field for, for a large portion of the season uh, in 2022. So if, if Daniels goes with the veterans, how often is Mayer going to get, you know, the targets at that position? You you would hope that the capital they spent on him would say that he's going to be, you know, close to a full-time player. But I just have, I'm a little bit hesitant that that happens in year one. Uh, and, you know, if that doesn't happen in year one, are we talking about him like we are at McBride, you know, this time next year? Well, that's what I was yeah, going to say. I, I think, you know, we there was a lot of talk early in the, in the draft process, pre-draft process about Mayer as this year's, Trey McBride. And, uh, right. of course, McBride was viewed as that tight end one 
mayor was for much of the uh, really the past two or three years in this class. I think there's a very good chance mayor could follow that same path uh, with, with, uh, you know, a smaller role in year one. And then, yeah, we are sitting here a year from now wondering if year two is going to be the breakout. And um, you know, we've, I think we've been spoiled a little bit recently with uh, some rookie production from tight ends, yeah. uh, you know, Kyle Pitts and, um, and even Okonkwo and, and Dulcich uh, produced enough to, uh, to really get us interested in them and move them quickly up the rankings. But we, we've got to remember the norm for these young tight ends is a quiet year one, really a quiet year two in, uh, in most cases. So I'm, I'm definitely not ready to give up on McBride. And if Mayer has a McBride-like year this year, I'll, I'll be buying low on him as well. So, so it's Mayer and McBride for you, Matt. Is there another name that you got to get in here to tier three? Yeah, it's Musgrave. Uh, and, and I yeah. would, you know, in a, I almost put him as the first one in this tier. I guess it doesn't matter because they're all in the same tier. But to me, he has the athleticism. Obviously did not have quite the production profile um, as these other two guys in college. So that's kind of the the hiccup. And also they, you know, they drafted another tight end. And we know that sometimes the second tight end is the one that actually emerges here. But Musgrave seems to be the leader uh, in the clubhouse, so to speak, from that perspective. And, uh, you know, this is a team that's searching for receiving weapons outside of of what of uh christian watson so he's he's got a chance to really move up i think um but he's right at the same level of these guys for for different reasons more because the athleticism and less because of the previous production yeah i have musgrave leading off in tier three of course i had mayor and mcbride in tier two so i see a little bit of a difference there i also added uh his teammate rookie teammate tucker craft to this tier i feel like I feel like they could be neck and neck and they might steal some stuff from each other, but somebody's going to separate themselves at some point. And I could see the Packers offense using their tight ends in the passing game uh, relatively often. So there, there might be a path to both of them becoming productive. Uh, most likely somebody's going to, somebody's going to take the lead there. They, they like both of them. I also threw in uh, last year's preseason rookie phenom, Isaiah likely because of all that athleticism. I think he showed just enough as a rookie to see that there's some long-term upside in, uh, in years to come. Um, and then I put Kate Otten as well in there. I liked what he did. And I, I know that might've been some Tom Brady stuff and we'll see how that translates this year. But Otten feels like he was, uh, he, he kind of entrenched himself into that role and they're counting on him to be a full-time tight end down there in Tampa Bay. That could be a good thing, um, considering the rest of the weapons there. That quick dump-off pass to Kate Otten and his ability to get into the end zone, that that could bode well for Dynasty players. So I included him in Tier 3 as well. Any other names beyond that, Ryan, for you in this tier? Yeah, actually a pretty large group in Tier 3. The names that you guys have mentioned, Musgrave, uh, and Otten, I agree with Kraft and likely in this tier as well. And uh, also threw in both Cowboys. You talked about both Packers being in this group. I've got Jake mm-hmm. Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker both in this group as well. I still think Ferguson will uh, be the leader among those two. We've seen some early reports that Ferguson is expected to be the starter. I don't know if we're putting much stock into, into those early pre-training camp reports, but uh, I guess that's that's a, a good thing for him. Uh, and then I've got Jelani Woods in this group as well. You know, there's questions about really all of these players, whether they are expected to be starters or, or backups. But I, I love the upside of Jelani Woods in that Colts offense. Yeah. Woods has some athleticism too. And one of those guys that can stretch a seam. That's always what we're looking for. He led off tier four for me. I also included Jake Ferguson and Schoonmaker in that one and threw in Daniel Bellinger and Darnell Washington in tier four. Is there any other names beyond these guys that we need to, we need to bring up? None that I can think of. I had Bellinger and Washington in, uh, in that, that fourth tier as well. Um, I think it's that might be about it. We liked we liked Zach Koontz for a while, but yeah, uh, I considered putting him in here, throwing him throwing him in tier four, creating another tier just so we could mention him. That was the name I was thinking. Uh, yeah, that's that's the only other name I could come up with. 
It's a little stretchy though. You got to stretch <laughs> it out a little bit to, to get to Coots. He, he does have the athletic profile though, for sure. Let's move on to our mock. That sounds like fun. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. Yeah, this will be a fun one. We're going to draft players outside the current top, excuse me, top 50 in Superflex Dynasty ADP. And we're trying to trying to pinpoint, trying to identify the guys that are most likely to be to be premium players a year from now. Uh, so top 36 type players in June 2024 Dynasty ADP. So we love to mock. Matt, you drew the number one pick. Let's uh, let's hear it. Who's the most likely guy outside the top fifty to be a, a top three round guy a year from now? Yeah, this is a this is a really tough exercise. Uh, it's it's a high bar to enter the top fifty in a super flex league from a, uh, a skill position standpoint. So I'm going to go with J.K. Dobbins as my Ooh. number one pick in this Boy, uh, exercise. Fifty six. <laughs> 56 overall, running back 13 in Superflex. He's only six running back 16 in one quarterback leagues. But this guy is just still just 24 years old. He's up with cover complications early last season coming off that torn ACL and LCL. And he also, in an interview, uh, I think it was in like September or something, right early part of the season, he indicated that he also had damage to his meniscus and hamstring. Uh, they were giving him issues as well. Uh, when the season starts, we're going to be two years removed from that injury or positive signs uh, in week 13 to 16 last season when he had 57 carries for almost 400 yards over that span, including 120 yards and a touchdown at Pittsburgh in week 13, 125 yards uh, in week 14 at Cleveland, 17 for 93 in week 16. Uh, we, we saw Lamar Jackson sign a huge contract. There are indications that he's going to run less, whether it's the contract, whether it's this new system under Todd Munkin uh, that's going to have him passing more. Uh, we've seen weapons added to the passing game. Uh, we've also seen hints that running backs are going to be more involved in the passing uh, passing game under this new system. And we know that Dobbins from college is a very good pass catcher. So he's someone, Dan, that I think both you and I last season predicted big things for, but we didn't see uh, this difficulty and in, in recovery from this injury that he suffered to his knee. Um, so this year, I think, is the year for Dobbins. And if it's not, <laughs> then it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I I didn't see that one coming, Matt. That wasn't what I expected at all. I, you, we both liked him a lot, and I still do. I think there's some like post-hype sleeper appeal, uh, to use kind of a baseball term. Uh, I, I like investing in J.K. Dobbins. I don't mind um, mind the call. Uh, didn't didn't see him coming as the 101 in a draft like this. Ryan, you drew the second pick. Did he did he get your guy? He did not. He didn't get, he didn't, he didn't get the running back. Of course I didn't. Uh, J.K. Dobbins was not on my list. I think when Ooh. you're you're trying to project players that would move into the top 36 and you're looking beyond the top 50, I mean, we got to start with what does the top 36 look like right now in a super flex uh, ADP? There's 16 quarterbacks, seven running backs, 11 wide receivers, and two tight ends. So I found myself focusing on the quarterback and the wide receiver position mostly as uh, the spots that uh, fill the majority of, of the top 36 players. I'm, I'm going to take probably the easy pick because he's almost in the top 50 right now. I'm going to take Christian Watson. He is 52 overall. Yeah. I thought I probably, probably would get you there, Dan Uh, 52 overall. He's the wide receiver 18 in that super flex ADP. Uh, Obviously, that huge stretch last season in the middle of the year, four straight games uh, as the, as a wide receiver one with over 20 fantasy points in each of those. Um, we, we know he's going to be, or we expect him, I guess I should say to be the wide receiver one for that, uh, that new look Packers offense. I think he could certainly be a top 12 wide receiver and could be a top 36 player overall this time next year. Yeah, I love that pick. He actually wasn't my number one pick, so we're going to all three get our number one guys. Uh, I thought Watson was just a little too easy, maybe, and we all know that that I love Watson and think that maybe not even that it could happen. It might be even likely that Christian Watson becomes that guy if, if he really grabs hold of that number one job and love is the guy that I think he might be. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm up at number three overall, and I'm going to take – the guy I had listed number one, it's Jordan Addison. 
the wide receivers in Minnesota. Holy cow. He's, I can't believe he got to three, honestly, wide receiver 20, 60 overall. So I didn't, I didn't go too far beyond what you did there, there, Ryan. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Addison is not already a top 50 player, even in super flex. Uh, I would I would trade Christian Watson for Jordan Addison right now in a heartbeat. And you all know how much I love uh, Watson, but um, Addison, every there's so much to like about it. We trust the offense that he plays in. You can say what you want about Kirk Cousins, but he delivers the football. He's accurate, which is great for uh, for Addison specifically. And Addison is never going to take that number one coverage uh, because Justin Jefferson's on the other side of the field now. I know, Matt, you're probably going to say, wait a minute, he's not a top two option in the offense. They have Hawkinson, that that tight end could take something away from him. But, man, Addison is just too good for that. They're going to move him around the formation. As long as they don't, like, like focus on Jefferson in the slot, which I don't think we have reason to believe that, and Addison can get in there a little bit as well, I think there's there's like 80 catch upside in his rookie season, and there's some touchdown appeal as well. Addison should have been the number one pick in this thing. He he was right there, and I probably should have taken him number one. Really, I didn't know how to rank any of these, to be honest with you. I kind of went down uh, in terms of what their ADP was, and that's how I how, how I how I ranked them on my list. But Addison was right there as the number one. He was going to be the pick here for me uh, if I didn't. They, this is a team that that passed the ball 63% of the time in neutral game scripts. Uh, he's going to take a lot of volume, I think, from TJ Hawkins. And I think I've I've said this for a little while. I just think that TJ Hawkins, when he came over, the only thing that changed was volume. His efficiency metrics uh, did not increase. In fact, I think they went down a little bit moving over from Detroit. Uh, And I think Addison is going to get a lot more targets uh, than uh, people maybe think. I think he's easily like an 80, 85 catch guy in year one. Yeah, I love it. It it's uh, it's like the perfect landing spot, honestly, for Jordan Jordan Addison. So uh, we might be sleeping just a little bit on him, Matt. You're up at the 104. Who you got here? Yeah, this one's uh, a little bit scary because of you know he's 26 years old, which you know is getting up there. For well, he's not on my list then. I went with uh, I went with Tony Pollard, running back 15, 62 overall, like. It just seems rocking like the running backs. It, it's it seems set up for him to just emerge, and I know the age thing is a little bit scary. Maybe he doesn't get there because of that. But if he puts up a monster like top five kind of season, like it feels like he is set up to do, then I think he can get into that 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 top three rounds. Um, there's just nobody. There's nobody. Are we we're scared of Malik Davis or Ronald Jones or, or Deuce Vaughn? Are they going to? Are we going to be scared even if they do bring Ezekiel Elliott back? Uh, you know, McCarthy is running the show now. Kellen Moore is is, is moved on to, to to a much better team. He, they don't have the guy that's pushing the pass offense. This is going to be a team that runs the ball a lot, and it feels like it, the offense is almost going to run through Tony Pollard uh, at this point, assuming he can hold up to the increased workload. So. Uh, I took Tony Pollard here at the, with the fourth pick. 26-year-old running back, Matt. Uh, Ryan, did he get you this hey, time? Hey, we, uh, we got some of those up there now. You, you know, yeah, we got, we got a, a couple. couple of those up there. Oh, no, he didn't get me. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got so many good choices since Matt uh, is making bad picks here. I think I'm going to go with... Uh, wow. <laughs> Last I checked, Pollard was like a fringe first round pick in in, in redraft leagues. Just saying. He is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um I don't think I'm sniping Dan or anybody else here, but uh I, I do think this is this is the player that I could see the easiest path right now to being a top thirty six player this Uh-oh. time next year. He's I'm he's scared. a quarterback. He's seventy nine oh, overall. It's Brock Purdy. Oh. <laughs> Did I get you? Yeah, you got me. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, I thought you would have gone with, with the other guy there. But, uh, I mean, we already talked about Purdy in the show and, and his production, the expectation that oh, he is going mind. to be he the didn't. starter. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I said Brock Purdy. Come on, Okay, I, I missed listen. it. I was talking over you. I'm sorry. You don't, Dan doesn't listen to us when we talk, Ryan. He, he goes on mute. and just, well, That's because you, know. you guys are wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see this time uh, next I year. Went, I went the complete other way. I took Trey Lance. He's yeah. 77. He was on my uh, list overall. And, you know, we need a guy to make a surge, really jump up the board. And Purdy certainly could, but he's going to do it from the pocket as a as a pocket passer, delivering the football and use accuracy. 
if Trey Lance could do that same thing or close to that same thing and add the the legs to the game, and he might get the first opportunity, but you know, we're not real sure about Purdy's injury and how quickly he'll be back. If Lance could run with that job, like I considered putting him a lot higher on the list, honestly. Uh, just because I think I think it could happen. It, it could be a Trey Lance thing. And like you said earlier, Matt, if it doesn't happen now and he gets the opportunity, it might never happen for Trey Lance. But I'm still I'm still jumping on the bandwagon, staying on it. Yeah, I, I had them both on my list. And I mean, Me I, you know, we we clearly don't know what to do with these two, with this situation, because they do have essentially the same value. Lance 77 overall quarterback, 25 uh, Purdy 79 overall quarterback 26. So it really is kind of a, a pick your guy situation here. I will say if, um, if Purdy is the starter all season long, I don't think that it's a lock that he is a top 36 player this time next year. Right. If Lance yeah, is the starter, if Lance is the starter all season long, I think it is a lock that he's top 36 and probably even let's say top 15 overall because we know that the hype is there we know he already has that you know that that base of uh believers and fans and dynasty which is is led by dan <laughs> well i'll take it I'll, I'll hold that title proudly matt you're up if, with a seven pick before here. before we move on i do have a question yeah. if if purdy is i mean it feels like he, you know, 85, 80, 90%, whatever percentage you want to put on that he is going to be the week one starter at this point. But if we get to week one and he is that starter, are you cashing out? Cause he was clearly, if you have him on your roster and didn't try to trade for him, you know, at some point over the off season or late last year, like, like being able to flip him for a first round pick, even if it's just one, like that is such a massive profit. Like, I feel like I'm okay getting out at that point. And you no, know, if the season does go poorly which... for him what Shanahan can do. And we've seen it, you know, like having him as your quarterback too, that feels pretty good with that production he put up last year. Uh, I'm not as convinced. I don't think it's 85 to 90% that Purdy's the starter in week one. I I think it's closer to 55. Yeah. If he's the week one starter and can it get confirmed, I think I'm, I'm cashing out. Um, My next pick, I'm going to pick another player that you guys hate. Uh, this is a player who, who already was a top 36. Um, I guess not, I guess not in super flex. He wasn't, it was probably quarterback ADP that I was looking at. It's Rashad Bateman. Oh, one Oh three overall wide receiver 40, his 2.38 route yards per out run before his injury would have ranked 10th best in 2022 tied with CD lamb over the course of the full season. Lamar Jackson himself said he is the wide receiver one. The entire team sounds excited about Todd Munkin's new offense. Uh, I just see a year three breakout incoming. This is the second lowest ADP he's ever had. Uh, this time last year, he was the 40th uh, overall player. So, uh, I don't know. I just see a big breakout for Bateman, assuming his foot is fine and that he is healthy. Wow. You you gushed about Bateman a week ago, so you're you're staying on that uh, for sure. I, I guess the startup next week for Matt might be is the Baltimore offense uh, dynasty <laughs> sleeper because he's got Dobbins and it's Bateman already. And, uh, he loves that offense. Ryan, he didn't get you that time either. Who you got here at the number eight pick? He didn't get me. I do think uh, I do think the Ravens' offense is worth uh, a conversation at uh, at some point soon, though. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Quentin Johnston here. Uh, been some yeah, good list, yeah. early buzz uh, from him. Obviously, we love the offense. We love uh, Justin Herbert. We love uh, the uh, the expected changes there with the new offensive coordinator. And I think there's a really good chance. We're sitting here a year from now, and at least one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is, is gone from that roster. Yeah, I like that one for sure. He was he was in the next couple picks for me as well. Plus, man, 21-year-old receivers with that kind of draft capital in an offense that we trust with a quarterback like his, all point, all signs point up. Uh, I wish I wouldn't have been so so negative about Johnston uh, in the too. pre-draft process because I feel good about where he's at right now. That leaves me up with the nine pick, and I am going to take – I'm going to go with Jamison Williams, another wide receiver Ugh. right here. I think he fits – I know the suspension. I know all those things. His ADP is pushed way down. Wide receiver 39, 100 overall, just 22 years old. And I still think – 
he might be the best wide receiver in last year's rookie class. I really do think there's a possibility of that. And we, we haven't seen him play what about 20, 40 snaps, seven targets, one catch. And yeah, he got caught up in this situation. Now he's going to miss a few games to start the season, but when he comes back, He's going to be fully healthy and ready to roll. And I just love me some Jamison Williams. If you can get him out in the triple digits in your start, super flex startup right now, you got to do it. I think in some yeah, ways, he, sorry, Matt, go ahead. Ben. I think no, in some ahead. ways he he's kind of the wide receiver version of Trey Lance. So it's appropriate that you took him. And uh, okay, the main thing that I'm, the main reason I say that is if he does show, anything right i mean if if he comes back from that suspension and he pops off with a couple of uh wide receiver one games he's going to go from 100 overall to 40 overall so quickly right and that's that's i heard some really what i'm i'm banking on with the maybe when i read this question i might have might have get infused too much of that thinking into my rankings because that, that's what fed the Lance ranking. That's what fed Williams. And and really, I have one other name that that is on this list. Maybe we'll get to him because uh, I have one more pick. But um, I really do feel like because there was that hype in the draft process that, that there really could be a quick surge for these types of players, Matt. It just, I just, I just have a bad feeling overall about him. And, maybe, and I'm sure most people does that do. That's why he's pushed down so far. But he, you, you know, one catch and he did play six games. Like you just think that you would yeah. have seen more than one catch for that, whatever it was, 40 yard touchdown in six games. And I know there was less, the limited snaps in those. I don't have the snap numbers in front of me right now, but six games, one catch. And then you, you show your immaturity with this whole gambling thing right away. I heard someone uh, last week call him the, the uh, Detroit lions version of Kadarius Tony. And uh, oh, no. I mean, it feels, feels, feels appropriate in some, in some cases. I do like the player. Like he's such a master of speed. Like the, the way he can de- decelerate and just create instant acceleration is, is impressive. Uh, in that, that final season at Alabama, it just, there's so much bad, bad juju around him right now. I feel like I, I just want to avoid the situation. Uh, my last pick here. Uh, You're going to get be... somebody that's on my list. I doubt time. it. <laughs> I okay. doubt it. Let's hear I've it. got three. I've got three more names written down. I'm just going to pick one. I'm going to pick Kendra Miller uh, at this time next year. Jamal Williams, who knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, Alvin Kamara is probably gone. I think Miller has a chance to assume the backfield lead. Uh, you know, this season as a rookie. And I think next season is going to be even more obvious if he shows anything this year. So Kendra Miller has a chance to ascend to a, to a, a dynamic pass offense with, with Chris Olave and whoever they end up adding to that uh, next season. So I, I really see a kind of ascension from Miller. If those other running backs kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah. I don't hate that one. He wasn't on my list, but certainly was a consideration Ryan, you're up at the 11 pick, your final pick of the draft. Uh, I'm going to go with, I guess I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett here. 55 overall, quarterback 21. Oh, good pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't love that one because I don't necessarily believe in a breakout again, another player we already chatted about. Uh, but he, he doesn't honestly doesn't have to show much to get into that top 36 as a young quarterback with, yeah. uh, with first round draft capital. Yeah, he was on my list. He was all the way down there at 11. So I wouldn't have got to him, but I don't mind the pick at all. And I, I might be a, a picket believer more than you guys. I feel like he could take a step forward. We already talked about that, though. I'm going to stick with the wide receiver position one more time. I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Pickett's teammate and uh, rookie last year, George Pickens. 86 overall, wide receiver 34, just 22 years old. Showed enough as a rookie again to show that above the rim playmaking ability, clear wide receiver two in that offense might even be the wide receiver one by the time the season comes around or or by the midpoint of the season. Pickens was, honestly, guys, I I think I got, I made four picks. I think I got five, four of the top five that I had, um, or four of the top six, Watson was in there. So, um, you know, I did the same thing you did, Ryan. I tried to focus on the quarterbacks, focus on the wide receivers, there was one running back that I thought I was going to end up drafting because I, I kind of figured it would it wouldn't go the way it did. 
That was Javante Williams. I think if he had a, a strong start to his season, whenever that does happen, uh, even if it is pushed back a little bit, he could surge because of the hype that he had during draft season. He was one guy on my list. Another one was Chig Okonkwo. I thought he he could. I had him he too. Could, if he, he was one of the lower ones, but he was another one I wanted to name. Ryan, is there another name you want to throw out there? I know all of yours didn't get mentioned. No, I had several others. I think there's quite a few uh, good young wide receivers that could uh, make that ascension. Looking at the running back position, I only wrote down two names, and they were both Seattle running backs. So that's why I didn't pick I any it. running backs. Yeah, couldn't <laughs> couldn't decide which one I wanted to go with. Uh, Kenneth Walker, fifty three overall. Zach Charbonnet, one hundred two overall. I, I could like see I could see either one uh, making that jump, and in fact, I I kind of think one of them will. I, I just don't know which one. Yeah, me too, Matt. Anybody else worth mentioning? I put down Charbonnet as well. I think he's he's the one out of that group. I also put put down Devin A. Chain. You Me know, too. This, it, it's a different position, but the situation with Tyree Kill, if it escalates, you know, they're losing a bunch of speed and they got A. Chain for his speed. Um, this one is not going to happen, uh, but I do think he's going to break out. Uh, I, I put put down Tyquan Thornton. Quiet Oof. rookie season, but flashed in that's a, a deep few one. games. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's super deep. He's not going up that high. But I do like that they have the actual offensive coordinator now. He kind of – couldn't you just see him being like the, the Will Fuller for that offense? So, I mean, not that that's an exciting name either, but he was like, not. the top 36 <laughs> player at some point. Uh, not Maybe not in Superflex. Yeah, yeah, you might as well have said Kadarius Tony on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.